Hey ladies, welcome to the Core 4 Momentum podcast, empowering women in pelvic health. In this podcast, we will uncover all aspects of women's health and pelvic health. This podcast is hosted by the Core 4 team, a strong group of pelvic health physical therapy experts who are passionate about advocating for women's health and changing the world one pelvis at a time. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out how to join our free private Facebook group of empowered women. If you join, you will have access to free pelvic health education and you will become part of a strong community of ladies. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, Core 4 ladies, this is your co-host, Amy Newberry here. Uh, Welcome to another episode of the Core 4 Momentum podcast. Today, we are continuing our February Black Girl Magic series, where we're we're featuring Black healthcare providers all month long. Um, Today, we have a very special guest with us, Dr. Constance Foreman. Uh, I'm going to introduce Dr. Foreman, and then we'll get started. Thank you for joining us tonight, Dr. Foreman. Of course. So Dr. Foreman is a board-certified family medicine physician in Wilmington, North Carolina. Although originally from Maryland, Dr. Foreman spent a lot of her childhood vacations and summers in eastern North Carolina. She completed her undergrad studies in biology at St. Mary's College of Maryland, and then dedicated a year to work with AmeriCorps, which is awesome. Following that, she went to Hampton University to complete a master's in medical sciences and then completed her medical school training at Eastern Virginia Medical School. Tons of education. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) During her residency, she became a lieutenant foreman and was commissioned as a Navy Reserve Medical Corps officer. Dr. Foreman is the founder and owner of Beyond Clinic Walls, which is a company focusing on health education and coaching to help clients make practical and sustainable lifestyle changes to promote a healthy living beyond the walls of a doctor's office, which I absolutely love. That yes, <laughs> it's important. So thank you. I mean, so much for coming on tonight. And today the topic is we're going to talk about barriers of healthcare concerning Mm -hmm. like self-advocacy and ways that minority women can improve self-advocacy like within healthcare. The first thing I was just curious about, and you know, especially with all your training and background in healthcare, what does self-advocacy sort of mean to you? Um, So I think when we think about the word advocacy can actually boil down to something pretty simple as um, in, in the case of self-advocacy is standing up for yourself. Um, and, but it can certainly take different forms, um, because, you know, standing up for yourself is obviously going to look different depending on the environment that you're in. It's one thing to stand up for yourself on a playground, but it can be a little bit more complicated as an adult to stand up for yourself in the workplace or in the healthcare system. Um, But I think uh, the true essence of self-advocacy is, you know, sort of being unafraid to to speak up and uh, ensure that you're getting the best care possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Standing up for yourself. I that's so like beautifully put, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> it seems simple, but you know, even when we talk about advocacy in other places, it's that's what it all boils down to. It is standing up for a particular cause. And, you know, if not standing up for yourself, I mean, how, who else could you stand up for if you um, aren't finding ways to stand up for yourself first? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's so important because, you know, I'm just thinking back to, and I wonder if sometimes it starts from like childhood too, maybe a little bit. Like I'm thinking back to like me, I did not do a good job of standing up for myself. <laughs> it's, it's so tough. And, you know, especially considering we're talking about um, women standing up for themselves and in particular, you know, Black women advocating for themselves. Um, you know, many of us are sort of raised in this mentality of being a little bit more submissive right? Um, kind of hanging back, uh, not being too loud um, or boisterous, um, following instructions, you know, like you're, I don't, yeah, you do have a brother, right? But um, yeah, like, you know, you think about the things that maybe your brother might have been allowed to do. And my brother is younger than me. And I think about the things that he was allowed to do as a kid versus the things that I was allowed to as a kid. And and that kind of falls into how we interact in different spaces, uh, more societal expectations, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then so when we go over to health and then as a Black woman, not only are you thinking about sexism, you're also thinking about racism. And then depending on how old you are, ageism, and then, you know, you have all of these isms, right, <laughs> that are just going against you and making it challenging to, to do what you have to do. But of course, that's why we're having this conversation today to kind of, you know, set a framework for some of the things that people can do or think about um, specifically in the healthcare space. Yeah. So like in the healthcare space, have you seen a lot of barriers to like minority women uh, or like black women having issues with self-advocacy like in your practice? Yeah, I would say um, I usually am going to see it more indirectly from the conversations that people have with me or perhaps seeing the aftermath of mm -hmm. challenges with that. Um, because you can imagine if you start to have issues with your providers and then all of a sudden you see a provider in the community who looks like you, then um, it's a breath of fresh air for everyone involved because you kind of understand each other. Um, I understand what, you know, a young black woman is going through. They understand, you know, some of the challenges. So we have this shared experience that helps us both and provides a certain level of comfort but I would say a lot of what I see is in relationship to implicit bias. Um, so it's those subtleties of interactions, which is hard to like specifically pinpoint. You may um, notice that 
people say certain things or do certain things because they don't know what you might know or they make assumptions of what you do or don't know. And so that can dramatically affect the experience. And, you know, it's funny because I don't go into situations, you know, being boastful. Oh, I'm a doctor. Like if I go to a hospital or urgent care or a pharmacy, I just go with the flow. Right. Um, You know, I don't I like to fly under the radar, as I say. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, for better or for worse, that's probably easier for me to do because, you know, some people don't expect me to be a doctor anyway, right? Um, But at the same time, you kind of, when you don't say those things versus when you do say you're a doctor, I get a lot different interaction with people. Um, So again, like that's more that bias, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I use a different kind of privilege, right? I don't, I get to use like the the doctor privilege in the healthcare system. Um, But there are some examples, even when it comes to self-advocacy where even that doesn't help. Um, There was actually, I can't recall her name right now, but there was a black female physician um, who died in childbirth not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she is a doctor herself but as a black woman still suffered some of the same mortality rates because unfortunately we know that like three three to four times black women are three to four times more likely to have complications in pregnancy in comparison to white women um and you know a lot of these statistics are irregardless of socioeconomic status so it doesn't matter if you're lower income or higher income you suffer you know similar rates of um morbidity and mortality mm-hmm. so it's kind of scary and it could be challenging um but sort of i think starting with improving diversity is important or having conversations surrounding diversity and kind of um encouraging people to have these sorts of conversations to be aware Mm -hmm. of what maybe some of their biases are um because something I actually I spoke to a group of high schoolers last week and one of the things I mentioned to them is even though we are black people and members of a minority population here in this country, we, we still live in the same racist system that everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So even when we do our best to avoid falling victim to those things, we still do. Right. Um, you know, if we had our way, we wouldn't live in certain neighborhoods, right. Because of the concerns about some of the things that could happen to us or happen to our family members. Um, If we see someone dressed a certain way, some people might behave differently versus someone in other types of attire, just because of sort of being um, imprinted to kind of respond certain Mm -hmm. ways. And so knowing that no matter who you are, there could be a level of bias against you Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of important to stay on the radar for the things that you could do yourself to um, 
for lack of a better term, protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you see it like go both ways with implicit bias? So, um, you know, either like patient versus like healthcare provider, um, or do you see it more so, you know, from the perspective, like of a healthcare provider to a patient? Um, it goes both ways, but I don't know if, unless you, um, you know, if I'm thinking about my own personal experiences in particular and like the things that I've heard about or seen, um, it would be harder to really know how much as a, as a black person, I can say, yes, okay. I've experienced certain things, um, to know statistically other types of bias that people might, um, might see or experience is harder to say. Um, and then, you know, healthcare providers aren't the best at taking a loss, if that makes any sense. Like, we don't always want to admit when we're wrong. Um, I like to think I'm in the group of people, um, who isn't as concerned about that I do my best to admit certain things um and you know like even having conversations about some of those biases um biases um but I would say it goes both ways but it's harder to flush it out and get people to um admit it because it's you know, some things are just perceived versus knowing for sure, just that like, mm, I don't think this interaction went the way mm-hmm. it could have gone should X, Y, and Z had, you know, been in place. Um, but on, I, I would say in general, of course, yeah, it could go both ways. Like I know I've been in both, you know, situations where, um, I had to advocate for myself as a healthcare provider taking care of someone, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you came here to see me, like, you know, I went to school for a pretty long time. Um, so you don't have to take my advice, but I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. <laughs> wow. Okay. So in, um, in terms of implicit bias, like being a barrier to like advocacy, like you have seen it for one, like being on the maybe like the receiving side, but then also being the provider, people being like biased, like having implicit bias towards you. Yeah, exactly. And, but uh, like I said, it's, it's so subtle. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but you know, that's one barrier. Um, insurance, I would say is another barrier and not just having insurance coverage, but I will also say like understanding um, mm-hmm. your healthcare coverage. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we talk about self-advocacy and, and this is a tip, um, you know, for everybody, I would say irregardless of your background, it's important to know the, the conditions and terms of your benefits and what it includes. Um, because I'm sure you've had this experience too. Um, uh, patients don't always understand that the provider isn't the expert in the insurance. <laughs> um, yeah, we are far. From it's, that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's designed 
I wouldn't say it's designed to be that way, but it changes so frequently that there's no possible way that we could ever be fully versed on what each individual patient gets, right? Because Mm -hmm. even if you had Humana, for example, um, or Blue Cross Blue Blue Shield, that's pretty popular here Mm -hmm. in Wilmington as well, what you individually pay into can be slightly different from the next person. Um, Your deductibles and all of that stuff, just because it has Blue Cross Blue Shield on it, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's the same as the person next to you. And then so sometimes people get frustrated um, with that. Um, I will also say, you know, specifically in regards to um, uh, Black women is also, um, and again, this can be general, uh, but educating yourself not only on your benefits but um like preparing for your visits um something that I often recommend is that people actually write down their symptoms um even uh, a span of dates um maybe you have like abdominal pain or belly pain and then excuse me, you also have additional accompanying uh, symptoms, like being aware of those things, because it always helps when you come and um, you're able to effectively explain what it is that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an organized way, because then if you're organized, it helps keep the provider organized. Um, and therefore it will be easier overall for you to get your point across and then get the help that you need. Um, certainly, I, whew, this one's a tough one because I love the interwebs, guys. Like I really do love the internet, but <laughs> it can be um, positive or negative, you know, because if you're, um, coming across as combative towards whatever the provider might be trying to tell you and and you and you want to come in as if you have the answers that mm-hmm. can be um, challenging and that's not specifically that's just like a, a trigger situation for me because you know sometimes people get so caught up on what they read on the internet that they can't hear what you're saying mm-hmm. um, And so just kind of not getting yourself worked up um, to the point that you kind of have tunnel vision on anything in particular, but that can also be a good way, again, to keep yourself organized and being very specific. Um, I saw um, that if I have X pain, that it could be Y cancer and that concerned me, right? Mm-hmm. And so the doctor can very explicitly say, oh, wait a minute. Like, you know, I see where that might be a concern, but this is why I'm not concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can open a door um, for good conversations. I don't know. I feel like I kind of went on a tangent here. It's okay, um, but good community, like good communication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think yeah. communication is yeah. always 
um always 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 good yeah okay yeah that kind of got into like one of my questions I had for you is just like what are ways that you would encourage someone like to be able to be more um have better like self-advocacy so like having a plan and like going in with like questions already and like like, yes like why you're concerned about something um and also there was something else I I loved what you said (laughs) there was one more thing it'll come to me but yeah yeah I mean those are my those are like some of my um or I would say like big ticket advocacy um, recommendations is like the preparation. Um, uh, Another thing that we use often in our system, which is used uh, in others as well, is signing up for the portals, Mm -hmm. um, the patient portals, because um, that way it makes it easier if you felt that you needed to get a second opinion Mm-hmm. you would already have access to that information to easily take it to another provider versus having to rely on record release um, information from your provider. You can go to a new patient appointment or even at urgent care and say, here's what my provider already ordered. It's on my phone. They can easily take a look at it and say, okay, I would have done this or I would have added that you know, whatever the case may be. But um, that, again, that's a part of the preparation, right? Um, Mm -hmm. When, um, you know, you didn't get an answer that was comfortable for you, you already have the tools to talk to someone else and already have that stepping stone as to why you're not comfortable or where, how to guide your next questions. Um, So, yeah, I think that's important as well. Yeah. I feel like another thing, and this is maybe sometimes I've felt this way personally, but you know, for some like patients who might be like a little scared or like fearful or like intimidated by like health, like, you know, having like the white coat syndrome where Mm -hmm. you get really nervous and then you like forget everything. Uh, do (laughs) Do you have any tips for anyone that would be, that finds themselves in that situation where they kind of like shut down, uh, and then maybe they don't have like a good voice like for themselves. Yeah. So, um, you know, even though we're talking about self-advocacy and what you can do to stand up for yourself, sometimes that standing up for yourself is knowing your limitations and when to ask for help. Right. Um, so, you know, if you didn't plan a list ahead of time, because that's the best way to kind of not lose track and forget things. Um, so if you weren't able to do that, um, and you find yourself, I think, again, it comes back to that communication piece and being honest, um, with your provider. Cause again, I, it's so tough because I know that people are intimidated by doctors, even really nice ones. They can still be, um, intimidated by, and that's irregardless of, you know, background. Um, but being honest and saying, you know, I'm a little nervous and I feel like I lost my train of thought. Um, maybe there's someone that you can call who you've had a conversation with about your health status 
and they can advocate for you and say, yes, she's talked to me about X, Y, and Z. So I've done that in appointments before mm-hmm. where, um, you know, just someone was a little off track and I, is there someone we can talk to? <laughs> because I'm a little bit confused as to where this is going. Um, and so perhaps that person, you know, you said that they were there when it happened. So maybe they can give me a little bit more information um but of course that can be challenging when people are busy and things like that um so another this is so random but another tip that I give people especially my patients obviously everybody can't take advantage of this but I tell patients like if you are really um more of an anxious patient or have concerns about um uh, feeling heard and not being rushed. Um, I do my best not to rush in general. However, if you get an appointment, um, at the end of the half day schedule, so if you get it at the end of the morning session or at the end of the afternoon session, I'm usually a lot more relaxed because I know there's no one coming after that person. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I kind of take my time even more uh because I'm like uh, it's only lunch it's okay like I have an hour so if we go over a little bit it's worth it to make that person feel like at ease same at the end of the day it's kind of like huh the worst of it is over now um so like that's a tactic I can't say every doctor is like that but that's a good way um especially if you also have a concern. And so I think finding doctors that have that flexibility mm-hmm. is important. Um, especially, you know, if you're thinking about work schedules and, um, you know, it's hard to get away from work. It's a little bit harder here in Wilmington from what I know, but finding a practice with extended hours might be helpful. Um, I feel like we're kind of a sleepy beach town. So not a lot of people do that. Yeah. I was going to say on Fridays, like everything is closed. Yeah. A lot of practices are closed. Hours isn't, but, um, but yeah. And so knowing that too, and, and I think, you know, speaking about, um, just like diversity and things in general, it's things like that, that do make it harder for, people of certain backgrounds to live in certain areas, because those are some of the conversations that I've had surrounding diversity, specifically in Wilmington, because I think it's a great place to live, but I'm from the DC area and we do have a lot of flexibility. You know, there's doctors who open their practice at six, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning and stay open to seven, eight o'clock at night to accommodate a variety of work schedules. And so if someone is thinking about trying to move here from a place like Charlotte or Raleigh or Atlanta or Chicago, and they see things like that, that's going to be a barrier, right? It's not as inclusive to different lifestyles. Um, You know, if you're a bartender and you primarily work at night in the daytime is when you sleep, right? And mm-hmm. then you want to wake up and run errands, then it might be challenging to get in to the doctor at certain times or in certain days. So I don't know. It's it's just things to think about. I think 
even advocating for yourself as far as where you live and mm-hmm. where you work um, is important also. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I didn't even think about that. But Wilmington being specifically, I've noticed since moving here that it's true. Like things are, they're just certain it's different hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot different. And, and it doesn't appeal like that by itself just doesn't appeal um, to certain backgrounds. I mean, you can't put that on specific ethnicities, but um, mm-hmm. just if you're a young person, for example, and you can't, you know, get to a doctor that accommodates your school schedule or your work schedule, then that's going to limit your ability to advocate for yourself if you can never get an appointment. Yeah, you can't even get there. You can't even get there. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, in your practice, and this is just my own personal question I was thinking about, like, have you personally noticed a difference in, like, patient's ability to have like self-advocacy based on either like gender or even race or ethnicity? Um, yes, I think because, um, historically there is a lot that comes with, um, certain populations and how health is approached. So I would say, especially when it comes to mental health, for example, um, lots of cultures, it's a little bit more taboo to get therapy and have those types of conversations. Therefore, even if they're coming to the doctor regularly, if you don't explicitly ask, they might not talk about it, for example. Um, So um, some of the, um, again, I mean, if this is like an abstract thought, but some of the self-advocacy that has to happen is sort of vetting the providers you're working with to see, you know, just how comprehensive they are. Um, but I will say there is just so many unique situations that happen Um, and if you're not willing to be open or be in an environment where that person is keeping certain things on the radar, Mm -hmm. then it's challenging. Um, and I just see overall, I noticed that more of my black patients just don't talk about health within their families as often. Mm-hmm. So that's like another layer, actually having the conversations and getting your family health history. Um, because I had two new patients today and they like legitimately told me, I don't know what my grandparents died from. I don't know if my dad has, you know, certain health history. It just wasn't things. Mm, my siblings don't talk about their health. They try to be more secretive about it. So I don't know if they have certain issues. And of course, just because they have it doesn't mean that, you know, my patient will have it, but it will certainly help paint a picture of what could be on the horizon, mm-hmm. um, especially for things that are, um, you know, I would say more so cancers, um, 
yeah and such it definitely gets a little bit more nerve-wracking as far as how we make our recommendations um so certainly same thing with the lgbtq community mm-hmm. um and and it's hard but you know when you first meet a patient who's your preferred partner men women or both and i say it just like that mm-hmm. and, and of course sometimes people <laughs> you know oh, it's just a question i'm not implying anything you know what i mean um yeah. But when you do ask it that way without judgment, then you're more likely to get um, an honest answer, right? And then that can help guide what you do in the future and future conversations. Um, So yeah, but there's definitely some differences. And I I would say it's, it's, um, it's more on the lines of openness to have certain conversations or um just different experiences that are had or not had mm-hmm. in certain um groups of people that create barriers to um the doctor's appointments and how they interact yeah for sure yeah because then it can just impact like the care or you know the plan care plan yeah and it's and it's <clears throat> Oh, and I've gotten better because sometimes, again, like your your bias comes out. Maybe people say certain things and you feel like they shut down and then you kind of shut down, too. But, you know, as a provider, you can't necessarily be that way. You have to find unique ways to kind of get to the bottom of it. And um, a big ticket conversation is diabetes, for example. And, you know, you tell a person, you know, I'm concerned about your hemoglobin A1C, you know, it's at a point that I think, you know, we should maybe consider insulin. And then, of course, you get resistant. And then you, well, okay, tell me more, like, what are you feeling? What's the concern with insulin? Well, when my grandmother started insulin, she died shortly thereafter. Right? So you see that there's a fear that if I start insulin, that in my head means that I'm closer to death, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to die. So if I don't start the insulin, then I won't die like my grandmother did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we know that that's slightly flawed thinking and because we don't have any knowledge of what was going on with the grandmother. But if she was a grandmother, she, was, she, she had to be at least, you know, probably 20 30 years older than you know plus Mm -hmm. um than the child right especially if they were already an adult when they saw that happen you know what I mean yeah kind of getting people to understand hey I I hear where you're coming from you know where's maybe a middle ground let's talk about setting some dates okay if we try this and it doesn't go well then we revisit the conversation you know, things like that. So, um, and and again, so that goes back to communication and, and finding those providers that are willing to break things down in a way that makes sense. Um, and I mean, this is probably self-advocacy tip 101. I mean, number one, but if it just isn't going the way you need it to go, and I won't even say want it to go, right? The way you need it to go for your health, 
then you have to go somewhere else. But that doesn't mean to ignore your health and not do anything. Mm-hmm. It means you have to actively find someone else to address it um, and not settle for things that just don't sit well or don't make sense to you. Um, so have conversations with other people about experiences that they've had with their providers that might help you find someone else. Because word of mouth, I would say, is better than Google when it comes to to situations like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, I mean, that's an awesome tip. Like just being able to, because like not everyone is going to click with everybody. And Mm -hmm. like, I tell people that for physical therapy too, like, you know, I'll click better with certain patients than (laughs) patients and you should find a healthcare provider who like does click well with you, especially for your like family medicine or primary care provider, because they're the you're gonna see us a lot yeah Yeah, (laughs) unless you're just super duper healthy I would say at least once a year I'm like please just give me once a year anything other than that I won't argue but give me once a year please 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 (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I mean it's super important that you have like a good relationship and like good communication Mm -hmm. like that person that provider um then if you're comfortable then you can be like more open and honest Mm -hmm. So yeah. those, those are awesome tips. I think we had, so communication seems like that. It, it all went back to communication every time. So important. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, um, again, when we're specifically thinking about Black women, I think being aware of some of the statistics is helpful. Um, but it's a fine balance of, being knowledgeable without scaring yourself too much about the possibilities, especially on the negative end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like that's a big one. I think having um, also um, a con- consistent approach and being as firm as you can is important. Um, a reflective listening um is important also you know not uh, and it's challenging because I think a lot of the times people see doctor's visits as very um one-sided it's like the doctor is talking to them or at them Mm -hmm. um without that feedback but you know finding ways to kind of slow the doctor down if you need to um Again, I would say after, you know, in some situations, you know, this is like, excuse me, getting into the mind of a doctor a little bit. Sorry, fellow doctors, if I'm like, you know, um, telling too much, but, um, you know, sometimes the way we ask questions is because we know that there are some time constraints, you know? So you have to find ways to break those barriers. And sometimes the answer is being willing to go back multiple times if that's what it takes to address your concerns. Not just saying they didn't talk to me about that concern today. That pissed me off. I'm not going to go back. But again, showing that you have a commitment to a particular problem And if you give it a a second go and they still don't address it, then I mean, you know, what can you do, right? Then that's kind of when you go. Um, 
but like I said, I don't know, like everybody's a little bit different and it, and it sometimes makes me sad. Some of the experiences that people have with doctors, um, cause it shouldn't matter if you're a new patient or an existing patient, um, at least getting an idea of what a person's concerns are mm-hmm. uh, is going to be important. And again, I would say if, if those sorts of things aren't happening up to par for you, it, you might just have to chuck the deuces, you know, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and find somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the statistics, I remember when I first saw the statistics and it was completely shocking um, to see for like the difference between like black maternal health uh, or like white or I don't know if they compare it. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, let's see, it's, it's hard to like remember, but let's see. <clears throat> Black women are three to four times more likely to experience a pregnancy related death than white women. Black women are more likely to experience preventable maternal death compared with white women. Black women's heightened risk of pregnancy-related death spans income and education levels. Um, And then, I mean, it's a whole nother podcast to talk about income and housing and um, workplace. And, and, you know, all of those things trickle in, right, to health because health is not just physical health. It's also social health and mental health and emotional health um and it it can get really challenging to to navigate that but I just encourage people to kind of bottle up all that black girl magic and put it you know and use it and use it for good for sure um and just cultivating relationships and you know and you know this is just kind of like just a real statement the fact of the matter is that we are a minority here in this country and there needs to be more provider diversity but in the meantime we also have to be willing to do the work to challenge our existing providers to be who we need them to be um So kind of not settle for less and go to community meetings and participate actively in the shaping of your healthcare system, of your work system, of your children's school system, of your own school system, if you're in college or whatever the case may be. So, and it can be challenging. It's not easy, right? Um, I mean, some people die for advocacy, um, but that doesn't mean that it was any less worthy of a cause. Um, So, you know, maybe not all of us are Martin Luther King Jr., right? (laughs) But it doesn't mean that you can't do something to push the needle in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you hit the nail on the head with everything, (laughs) (laughs) all of that with like, you know, just, I love what you said, bottling up black girl magic. (laughs) Yes. Listen, I, I, 
I'm sure sometimes people wish we could sell it. We can't, guys. Can't <laughs> purchase it. Can't I purchase know. it. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy some. <laughs> Listen, I'll just we'll just hang out more often and I'll try. I'll try to rub it off. Yeah, <laughs> rub your elbow on me. <laughs> I think, but you know, and you know, all jokes aside, I think a big part of black girl magic and black boy joy is really just living unapologetically Mm -hmm. um and I think the more people sort of understand that in this country it's been so challenging right so the only thing that we do have that someone can't take away is our our personalities what we stand for um the the joy in spite of the hardship And so I think that's why those terms mean so much, because somehow, in spite of it all, we still put a smile on, we put our our lipstick on, we we have fun with our hair, we have fun with our clothes, we, you know, advocate for ourselves as best we can. And even when people, you know, try to beat us down, we still get up and we and that's what we live for. We live for that seeing our brothers and sisters still thriving in spite of a system that seems that it was created to go against us, you know? Um, And so we appreciate, you know, allies like you who are willing to have this conversation um, about what we can do to uplift ourselves and uplift the people beside us and, you know, learn more. Because I, I think one of the things we've learned a lot as far as advocacy is knowing that we can't succeed without allies. Um, So we appreciate you. Thank you for the platform today. (laughs) This is awesome. Thank you for like spending this evening and talking, you know, like spreading like more awareness about like advocacy, especially for black women because of like the differences that are like in healthcare um, and I feel like that kind of goes into like your, your vision too, with, with your business, uh, like mm-hmm. because you're all about like education and, you know, I know, I know this, but from talking to you already about like, yeah. your, like your vision for trying to like intervene sooner before these health issues even become a problem. Yeah. But, like that's definitely the goal. And that's why I kind of went with the beyond clinic walls wellness, because I think oftentimes we think of um, our health as it comes to going to the doctor or taking medications or some specific intervention. Um, But I feel that it starts a lot sooner than that. And education is a very powerful tool um, to uplift the community and improve health. And um, um, as I continue to build this business and brand um i hope more people can understand how important it is um to to educate yourself um i mean because uh, i mean this is black history month so i guess we can talk about it but you know recognizing that once upon a time in this country they people the oppressors right knew that if we had education that we would not be able to succeed, right? We couldn't navigate certain systems without being able to read and write. 
um it was kind of one of those scarlet letter situations not only does your skin look different than the 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 population that is oppressing you but then on top of that you have this um this you know unseen scarlet letter that can make you anxious when you go into certain situations and so i think that's why for me especially within the minority community education is so important because that's another thing that um was withheld from us but you can't take away what's in someone's mind mm-hmm. you know um so if you learn it for yourself and understand it for yourself then no one could ever take that away from you um and so i think that's the biggest that's another layer to self advocacy right truly understand you know it goes back to when i was talking about understanding your insurance um asking questions about your specific diagnoses um don't get too nervous when you read those medication um information pamphlets but that's to kind of familiarizing yourself and if you have questions asking them but also having an open mind about the information you receive and um because the stronger you are mentally and with your knowledge the more confident you're going to be when you go to the doctor um so yeah yeah okay. i think i think i'm done i don't know i just i keep thinking of more stuff to say <laughs> there, i mean there's so much that you like we so can say about this. um but i do want to just close with like letting our listeners be able to connect with you online somewhere and to be able to like follow your journey and like see what you're doing in terms of like your vision for beyond clinic walls so where can they connect with you maybe email or yeah so um I'm on Facebook and Instagram um, at Beyond Clinic Walls Wellness. Um, no spaces on Instagram. Um, uh, also, info at Beyond Clinic Walls Wellness it.com is my email address. Um, also, uh, www.beyondclinicwallswellness.com is my email. I mean, not email, website. Uh, so love for you guys to connect. Um, I'm not as, um, prolific with my Instagram content as our physical therapist here, but I'm doing my best. (laughs) You're busy. (laughs) You're busy busy too. I'm trying to, you know, actually I saw a post recently but someone said, oh, you don't have enough time to create reels, but I created this one in five seconds. And it was like literally just a lady blinking. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I can do it. I just need to do better at doing it. Mm-hmm. But guys, I, I, I am doing it. So check me out. Don't I'm yeah. not going to sell myself short. I'm doing a little something. Yeah. Just yeah. Something. You got you got you got some good stuff on there and good like information yeah. about wellness and just like being able <laughs> to prevent problems from. <laughs> yeah. And if if you're in Wilmington, um, March 12th, I'll be restarting um, monthly walks. I used to do sunrise beach walks, but this go around, it'll be a walk in the park. Um, at Greenfield Lake, eight o'clock on March 12th. You can register on Eventbrite. There's a link in my bio on Instagram, uh, as well as on Facebook. And you can, of course, search it, uh, Walk in the Park, 
Beyond Clinic Walls Wellness and you'll be able to find it. Okay, awesome. I'm, I'll put like, I'll, I'll pull the link out and then I'll put it in the bottom of the podcast uh, information. Awesome. Yeah, and it's, um, uh, if you pull the link tree, that might be helpful too, because then it has the links to all of those things. Instagram, website, um, walk registration. Sweet. Well, we got it. I got all of that. I'll put that all in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for you're welcome. And guys, I'm going to say this here on the podcast so that you guys have to hold us to it. You should expect to see picture and or video footage of myself and Amy stand up paddleboarding sometime in the spring or summer. You heard it here first, okay? Yes. <laughs> find some shark teeth and yes, <laughs> exactly. So hold us to it. If you don't see it in approximately four months, then call us out. We gotta wait for it to warm up a little bit, but then yeah, we'll- that's why I say four months. June, it'll definitely be warm by June. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate you so much, Dr. Foreman. And um, stay tuned, listeners. We have some, some more fun stuff planned for the rest of the month. Thank you for listening to the Core 4 Momentum Podcast. We believe that the journey through womanhood is incredibly special, but also difficult. Know that you were never meant to walk your journey alone. If you are looking for a community of women to walk alongside you as we learn about our bodies and pelvic health needs from experts in the field of pelvic physical therapy, check out our private Facebook group, Core 4 Momentum. That's Core, the number four, Momentum. We would love to have you join our tribe of empowered women. And if you are a pre-PT student, student physical therapist, or entry-level clinician searching for online education and mentorship to become a pelvic health practitioner, check out the private Facebook group, Pelvic Health Kickstarters. Be a part of the next generation of pelvic health clinicians who will change our world. Lastly, be sure to check back weekly for new episodes and subscribe. Until next time, stay empowered, ladies. Empowered woman empower women.